Well, this morning's message is, don't fence me in. <laughs> don't fence me in. Now, to those of us who are older, Bing Crosby and the Andrews sisters sang that. Then, of course, a whole bunch of other people sang it. But it is a song about, you know, give me the wide open spaces of, of the West and, you know, don't fence me in. I, I mean, I don't, uh, I, I didn't... Um, I didn't remember the song. I remember the song, but that's not the reason I gave the title to the message. Uh, and we're looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, and this is taken from the Message Bible. It says, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. <laughs> Paul is saying this to the church at Corinth, that... I've longed for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. Wow. I remember I was just thinking about those verses, that verse, that statement. God and through Paul is using God is using Paul to speak to the church at Corinth, how that they need to enter into this wide open, spacious life that doesn't have any fences. Huh. I mean, that's that's uh, unheard of. In our, in, our, in our world, and, you know, growing up, there's, we always have fences. Fences are meant to keep the cattle in, and, um, you know, and if they, if they don't respect woven wire or barbed wire, we have electric fences, <laughs> you know? It always, it was always one of the goals to get somebody who was new to the farm to touch the electric fence, you know, and they never would. But you would get long, long stems of uh, weeds or grass, and you would put it on there, and it would travel through that, get a little, little touch of what it was. But if you touched that, it just seemed to go right out the bottom of your feet, you know? Just blow out the bottom of your foot, and you're just like, don't touch the electric fence, all right? So that's one, in case you don't know that, you're, you just don't tuck the, touch the electric fence. Don't fence me in. And I, I think the, um, the worst of fences, well, in El Salvador, they have razor wire fencing on top of the walls be t be around their house. <laughs> so every house that is on, has property has walls and that razor wired fence on top of that and a gate that you have to stop and open up to go inside and all the houses have bars on them. And then most houses have a safe room in which there are no windows and there is a metal door because that's the time you want to be fenced in. <laughs> and when it's time to be secure and there's riots or upheavals or something. So there are times in which fences are useful and there are times in which fences are restrictive. But in this case, we find that Paul is telling the Corinthians about their religious their relationship with God, don't, we have not fenced you in. We have not created a lot of restrictions. We have not said you've got to do this, you've got to uh, you know, sacrifice this, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to obey the laws and the commandments and the holidays and all of these things. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel, and I thought this was quite insightful, the smallness you feel comes from within you. <laughs> Sounds like Paul's a psychologist here. <laughs> the smallness that you feel comes within you. Your lives aren't small. 
you're living them in a small way. Well, we look at that and say, wait, 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 you know, Paul, is he, you know, what's he saying here? Well, he's telling us that God has brought us into a relationship with him in which there are no fences, as in it's wide open. And he's telling us that people, whenever we feel small, it's because you think you're small and you're living in a small way. I, was, I, was, I thought of a couple of illustrations, but one of them was the elephant, you know. Um, we have... If you ever watch some of those old movies, they have elephants staked with a stake and a chain on their thing, and so there's this huge elephant staked on a chain that's maybe 10 feet long. It's wrapped around its foot, and it just stays within that radius. Why? I mean, it could pull that stake out without even thinking. But the challenge is when that elephant is a little, they chain it. They chain it to this stake, and that little elephant can't move the stake. But when it grows up, it still lives in a small way. <laughs> it doesn't pull the stake. It, do, it can't because it remembers as a little elephant that stake was too hard to pull out, and now they still have that mentality that I can't pull it out. Well, in our lives, and I think that's where we get this idea of that we live our life in a small way. We, we understand what we've been through. We understand where we've come from. We understand our family's history. We understand all the things that's going on. And so within the confines of all of that, we have placed ourselves within a bubble. <laughs> we've placed ourselves within a fence. And the challenge is, how can I have enough faith to move and to go against the fence. There was a, there was a prison in, um, I don't know what island it was at, in the, in, the, in the Bahamas or somewhere. It was a large island, but it, they had this prison there. And they forbade, they forbade the, the prisoners to go within 10 feet of the wall. They had, they had a, you know, a perimeter inside of the wall. And whenever they tore the prison down, it was made like a paper mache they could have walked through the wall, but they weren't allowed to touch it, and so they stayed within the confines of that prison, not knowing that they could have broke through that wall just by running into it. <laughs> and sometimes in our life, we are living in a small way because that's what we've always done, and it didn't work before. Why should it work now? Hmm. <laughs> So even though God has this big life planned out for us, you know, and again, big life doesn't mean, you know, well, David McGee is going to be pastor of 10,000 people. That's the big life that preacher wants. No. The big life that God has for us is a life in which where we live expands its boundaries. And that it's, it's literally something bigger than we ever imagined how that God is going to do a great work in our life and how the kingdom of God can be glorified in who we are and how we live. So we can live in a small way if we have a limited thinking. <laughs> you know, a limited thinking. I did a wedding yesterday, and um, it was quite interesting. There were very few believers there. And 
most, many people come up afterwards and said, I've never been to a wedding like this. That was really good. <laughs> yeah, chalk one up for the preacher. <laughs> you know, chalk one up for God because, you know, I'm just a little different. I'm unique, <laughs> special. I am God's chosen, just as you are. And what's that? Oh, yeah, and of course they liked my humor, so, you know, there, there goes that one, you know. But bringing Jesus Christ into someone's life and into this whole, it's like, okay, this is where you're at, and how can I bring God into my life in a bigger way? So we expand our boundaries, and we reach the community, we reach people. We try to, you know, the, 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 the televising of the um, sermon and, you know, people playing it. It's, it's interesting how many people that we know, uh, you know, never, perhaps never thought would listen to a sermon, they're, they're listening. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> and uh, it just goes on. And so we expand and expound who we are. So it's easy to get stuck in a daily rut, dealing with the pressures of our life, not really expecting anything really different. Hmm. Well, Exodus chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. God said, I've taken a good long look at the afflictions of my people in Egypt. So we all know the story of the, of the children of Israel in Egypt. And he says, I've heard their cries for deliverance for their, from their slave masters, the Egyptians. I know all about their pain. Okay. So we can have... We can be held captive where we're at. We can have pain in the way that we live. And he says, and now I've come down to help them. God is saying, I'm coming to help them. Pry them loose. <laughs> like that. How are you going to get unstuck? God is going to pry you loose. You ever pry anything? Yeah, I don't like to get pried. <laughs> you know, you ever get, uh, my, my, Rachel has, uh, our daughter has a, Waffle maker, you know, and she has a special utensil that you have to purchase in order to get the waffles out correctly, and you have to pry them out, all right? Well, I think sometimes we've been cooked, maybe overcooked in our waffle maker, and God's trying to get us pried out, all right? He has a special tool. But get them, he says, pry them loose from the, from the grip of the Egyptians, get them out of that country, and bring them to a good land with wide open spaces. God wants to bring them to a lush, wide open spaces. Yes, but one more thing. There are Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites that live there. Well, wait a minute now. <laughs> I didn't plan on that. You know, you're going to pry me out of where I'm at to go and live in a wide open spaces where somebody else lives. It's important to see how God desires to provide. How is God going to provide for me to occupy the place? Judges says, when you get there, you will find an unsuspecting people and a spacious land that God has put in your hands, a land that lacks nothing whatever. Whoa. God is going to give you a land. And it's a spacious land. Psalm 31.8. You have not given to me unto me the land, excuse me, you have not given me into the hands of the enemy, 
but have set my feet in a spacious place. Am I in the promised land where God wants me to be? Well, I have difficulties. Okay. It's not working out the way I thought. Okay. That's good. No, that's bad. No, that's good. Because we need, God is going to supply us the abilities to occupy the land. Whoa. Give us the abilities to occupy the spacious land. Most of the time, whenever we think of occupying something, the people have already moved out. Did you ever try to move into, you know, moving houses and the people haven't left it? You go knock on the door. I'm going to live here. You can get out. And I'm, gonna, I'm occupying this place, and I'm throwing you out. You know, you know we say that, that's ridiculous. Well, <clears throat> we have this situation in, in, uh, with Abraham. In, uh, well, Ephesians, first, Ephesians 6 says, in conclusion, this is talking about the armor of God, and we're going to go back and forth here for a moment. But it says, in conclusion, be strong, not in yourselves, but in the Lord. So here we are, called upon to go into this promised land where there's a big, spacious blessings and everything you've ever dreamt of that God could provide for you, but there's other people living there. Well, we have to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So you see, there's a challenge for us to recognize where our strength lies. It's not in ourselves, but it is in God. See, Solomon had to ask God, ask, said this a few moments ago, ask in that situation was a command. It wasn't a request. Solomon had to ask, what is it? So he had to focus and to know exactly what was needed in his own life to make him the king that he needed to be. And he, he nailed it. I need wisdom. Wow. Well, for Israel to possess this promised land... They needed to take on an enemy. That's the hard part. We don't realize that the enemy of our soul is fighting us. It's a spiritual battle going on in the heavens. So everything, and this is, this is challenging. And, you know, I've been with people, and they just really overdo this. You know, there's a devil behind every bush. You know, there's the, the, the devil's at the stoplight. I have to wait here. The light turned red. It's the devil doing that to me to make me late. You know, oh, you know, no, that's not what we're talking about. God, there is a spiritual warfare going on, and we need to know that the spiritual battle is won by Jesus Christ. And because difficulties come doesn't mean that the devil's on the loose. It means that we are called upon to deal with things in a way that God makes a difference in our lives. It isn't that we're not tempted. You know, we're all tempted. We all have problems. We all have things that go wrong. We all have things that go right. And so we're challenged to live in a spacious land with the enemy until we drive him out. The enemy of our soul 
is occupying this place. <laughs> you know, he lives around us. You don't believe there's evil? Just listen to the news. <laughs> no, don't. It's, uh, it's not worth it. So, <laughs> but, you know, we see evil around us. We know that there are evil people who just love, they like to be wrong, <laughs> to just give up on God and the whole works. Well, God gave to the children of Israel a land. We go back to uh, Genesis chapter 15. And I didn't give this one to you, Terry. Uh, We have verse 1. It says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Okay, now Abram, you're going to this new country. You're all by yourself. You have a wife and a caravan of people. You have no kids. But I'm telling you, you're going to have a child. And I'm going to give you this land to you and your descendants. (laughs) That's okay. That sounds wonderful, God. But I need some kids. Some of us say, God, I need rid of a few kids, you know? But God says, no, I've given you kids. All right. So, um, Abram said, O sovereign Lord, this is verse 8, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of this land? Well, verse 12. When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, horror of a great darkness fell upon him. Now, backing up a little bit, Abram was told to, I think it was three animals, was three, three-year-old um, heifer, ram, goat, uh, and he was to cut them in half and lay them open. And in this, it was a, God came and it was a sign that God and Abraham would pass between these animals as a sign of the covenant of this um, agreement agreement that God was making with Abraham. And so they did this, and and in this dream that God is using here to speak to Abraham, he says this great darkness come upon him, this horror come upon him. Well, it's kind of, I think, a, a, um, a, a revealing of how Abraham felt about where he was at. He's all alone, and there's all these people around him that They could wipe him out at any time. Verse 13, And God said to Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs. Egypt. God is telling Abram that his children, his seed, are going to go to Egypt. And they shall serve them. And they shall afflict them 400 years. God's telling Abram, This is what's going to happen to your kids. Don't worry about it. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with a great substance. And thou, Abram, shall go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Oh, boy. So here we have the reason why Abram is told that he's going to have this land, but they, you can't occupy it yet, and I'm not driving out the enemy yet because their iniquity is not yet full. Hmm. This was a promise given to Abram. He didn't even have a child yet. 500 years pass. His descendants are 
more numerous than the sands of the stars. There's a couple million of them. Sands of the sea and stars of the air. There's, there's maybe two million people. And they come out of Egypt. And they come out with great substance. And the descendants of Abram, Abraham, later to be named, they stand at the land of promise 500 years later. You see, the promises of God do not diminish with time. <laughs> what God promised Abram 500 years before, the children of Israel come out of Egypt and they stand at the land of promise, which is a land of possibility. It's a land that is spacious. And so the promise given to Abram still holds for the nation of Israel today. And it also holds for us because we're grafted into the vine. We're part of that nation. For us, the length of time does not diminish the promise. Whether it's 4,000 years or 2,000 years, that promise is still good because the same God who made it to Abram is the same God who made it to us. For us, then, we need to renew God's promises to our lives. We need to focus in on the ask. Focus in on the ask that is going to make the difference like Solomon did. What is going to make the difference for us. Now, because there are challenges. You know, we have the story of Joseph. <laughs> His brothers throw him in a well and then they sell him as a slave. There are difficulties that come and we want to know why. Just ride them out. <laughs> ride out the difficulties. Because Joseph had a promise. And the promise stayed with him until he became second in command of Egypt. Brought his family down to save them. Then there's Jonah. Sometimes we're going in the wrong direction willfully. <laughs> and we get swallowed by a well. <laughs> Uh, a prepared fish, excuse me, and uh, we're in there and Jonah is in this well, in this, this belly of the fish, and he's, he's, his life is ebbing away, it says. His life is ebbing away and he remembers God. And it's like, oh, God can still save me from where I am. I'll go back to, I'll go where you want me to go, God. I'll go to Nineveh. <laughs> It's something how that problems can cause us to see things more clearly. You know, when you can't see out of the belly of the fish, it's time to pray. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, 21. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom Sil Silvus, Timothy, and I have preached to you, is himself no doubtful, Quantity, in abundant quality, quantity. He is the divine yes. Every promise of God finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And though and through him can be said he is the final amen to the glory of God. So be it. It is as Jesus has said. We owe our position in Christ to this God of positive promise. We owe our position, our relationship with God, to a positive promise. A positive promise. 
We live in a small life because we think too small. So God is telling to challenge us. What is it? Ask. And you see, the position is a positive promise. It is he who has consecrated us to this special work. God has called us and set us aside for the special work, the life that we are living. It isn't that we have to go to China or to South Africa or to, you know, Central America. We don't have to go anywhere. Live where we're at and allow God to take away the fences, take away the boundaries. I want to skip ahead here. (laughs) Whenever we think of, okay, we're going to enter the promised land. The children of Israel, excuse me, they had to listen to God for his direction. He was going to give them direction. Okay, Jericho's in front of you. I want you to March around the city every day and the seventh day seven times, but keep quiet. <laughs> Don't be murmuring and complaining the whole time you're marching around. Well, you see, that doesn't seem like a logistical uh, way to take down a city. But, you know, God has a way to make our land spacious, and sometimes it isn't the way we think. But what he has done is he's given us the armor. Paul talks about the armor of God. But did you ever notice that we have the helmet of salvation? Who is our Savior? Jesus. He's the one who died for my sins, and he rose from the dead. So his blood shed on the cross forgives me of sins. So Jesus is my helmet, my salvation. Well, we have the breastplate of righteousness, a rightness with God. The scripture says Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is the one who is our breastplate that that holds our heart and protects our heart. He protects our thoughts, our minds. He, he, He gives us guidance by his spirit. Well, we have the belt of truth. Jesus, you know, Pilate says, what is truth? Jesus is the way, the truth. He is my belt. Oh, well, what about our shield of faith? Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance, the substance of my faith My shield is Jesus. He is the one who shields me from all the fiery darts of the enemy. Oh, I've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. (laughs) Peace. Here is, I think, maybe the most important, well, they're all most important, but this the the peace that we have shod with our feet shod it's like a horse driving the the the, uh, what's the horseshoe driving the horseshoe into the the, the hoof of of the animal they use nails God is shodding our feet with peace that everywhere we go we are at peace imagine going into conflict at peace Being in the battle at peace. Why? Because Jesus is everything to us. He is the truth. He is, we don't have to doubt who we are. He is my righteousness. We don't have to listen to the garbage of life 
because he shields us. The sword just cuts the enemy in pieces. The sword, the word, cuts the enemy of our soul in pieces. So every day, we are living in and going into a spacious life, one without fences, with one without boundaries. And this spacious life, we have to dress for it. <laughs> Yesterday, I wore my suit. I don't wear my suit to Walmart. I get dressed up to go to Walmart, you know, cufflinks and my suit and all that. No. I wear my suit to, for weddings, funerals. But that's about it anymore. Oh, and Easter. Yeah, I wore it on Easter. Got to look good for Easter, you know. But the challenge is we dress for the occasion. Every day we dress for the occasion. I put Jesus on my thoughts and my head. May my thoughts be your thoughts, O oh God. May your word direct my life. <laughs> Even though your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, God, let them be upon my mind. Hold my mind. Filter what I hear. Help me see what you want me to see. Help me speak only what you want me to speak. Jesus covers my head. The righteousness Jesus is my righteousness. I have a right standing with God. Everything is okay because God and I are together in this, and he, I wear this righteousness. Jesus is my righteousness. And no matter what happens in my life, I am safe. He holds my heart. He holds everything that is important in my life. Truth. I shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus, give me the truth of your word and of life. May I see the, the things of life as they really are. May I see the truth behind them because the enemy of my soul is trying to trick me. But your truth, O oh God, will help me to know what is right and what is wrong. Ah, the shield of faith. I believe, and because I believe you are my shield, you are my shield and my buckler. You are the one who protects me from the fiery darts of my enemy. So all the things that the enemy hurls at me doesn't even get to me. Because God is there. Jesus is there as my shield. Then I have the sword. Jesus is my sword. He is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. And so I cut up the enemy of my soul with the word of God that God is the one who protects me and guides me and that his spirit will speak through me and I will destroy the enemy of my soul. I will not live in smallness. I will allow his greatness to live within me. And every step of the way, I'm at peace. <laughs> I'm not anxious for anything. But in everything, I give thanks to God because Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I give you my peace. So Jesus is our peace. He is the rock that we stand upon. He is the foundation of our life. And so as we go into this life, we are dressed for the occasion. We go into this spacious land of promise, and promise is the word, and we use that to defeat our enemies.
Now we have, sure we fall down, sure we have difficulties, but we get up. It's, that's part of being human, that we have conflict, but we recognize that God will lift us up. And perhaps, perhaps, we're living like Joseph when things fall down. It's only because we need to get someplace else that this has happened to us. Do not lose your peace, but succeed in making this place that we are at a spacious place. And if it fails, in the next place, we'll make it a spacious place, like Potiphar's wife, you know, framing him, then in prison, being forgotten. He went through those difficulties. Go through the difficulties, armed, ready for battle, because God has a spacious place. We may not move from our, we may not move from our home, but our home will become spacious. The world that we live in will be spacious because God's word is in us and that Jesus is my helmet. Jesus is my righteousness. Jesus is my belt of truth. Jesus is my shield. He is my sword. He is my peace. And I will live in a spacious land that he has promised to me. And his promises do not expire. Amen? Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We live in a spacious world. A world that sometimes the world we live in is evil. But God, that's not the problem. God, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. We are dressed for battle. And evil has to step aside because it is you, O oh God, who cover us, walk with us, go before us, prepare a way for us. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for opening my mind and my heart and filling my life with your presence. And may I dress every, mo every morning for battle to live a life for you and with you. And in every position I find myself, I am always at peace because you're already there. Bless me, guide me. God, help me that I may ask what it is that you desire for my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.